This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, good morning, everyone. Praise God. It's great to see all of you today. We want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Glad that you can be with us here today as well. Praise God. Excited about today. Glory to God. We're going to have a great fun day after the service here and have a bunch of food, watch the kids have a good time. Want to invite you to that. Uh, we have a concession stand that's available, you know, for some burgers and, and uh, some hot dogs, I think, and different things of that nature that are available for a pretty nominal price. So anyway, we're going to have a great time today. And uh, some of these get-ups that everybody's wearing, I mean, it's hard to preach when you get in an environment like this, but uh, I'm going to do what I can anyway. Just ignore them, right? I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I think God told uh, Jeremiah or something, you know, don't look on their countenance while you're telling them the truth. Amen. Because... They may not like you. I don't know that that's the reason that we're dealing with it here today, but anyway. Y'all glad you came today? Aren't you glad the sun is shining? And it's not raining, thank God. I mean, you know, if I didn't know better, I'd think that maybe God lied about that whole rainbow thing and never going to flood the earth again, but uh, we're in good shape. So it's great to see you. Did y'all bring a Bible with you this morning? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, and... uh, We'll start there today. Let me share a good word with you from the Master. Glory to God. You know, uh, we've said it often, but it really is true that the Bible is God speaking to you. A lot of folk, you know, they say, well, I wish that God would speak to me. Well, (laughs) how about reading the Bible? Yeah, it might be a place to start because uh, it's a love letter, really, that's written to each and every one of our hearts of a father's love his willingness to give his all in the form of his son so that you could live. And it's just not eternal life. It's not just, you know, going to heaven. It's about your life here in this natural uh, time that we live on the earth. Amen? You know, the Bible, when Paul was writing, he told Timothy, he said that godliness is profitable, not only in this life, but in the life that is to come. So there's, there's profit to living godly, not only, again, with regard to the life that's to come, but you know what? There's reward that goes along with it when you live in this life. Amen. And some people, you know, they have the mistaken idea that there's not much you can hope for in this life. You just kind of tie a knot in the end of your rope and hang on. Well, I got news for you. You know, if you read your Bible, there's a lot of things that are available to the child of God that we have to appropriate by faith, but nevertheless, it belongs to us. Everybody say it belongs to me. Yeah, Jesus paid an incredible price so that you could have life and life more abundant. And so we might as well, you know, take advantage of it. It's, it's unfortunate, but this happens so often. You know, man's traditions and the doctrines of men uh, very often will um, cut people out of what it is that God wants to do in their life. So I'm so grateful for the word. You know, stay with the word of God. And whatever the Bible says, that's what you want to follow. Are you listening to me? You say, well, I don't know really what the Bible has to say. Well, (laughs) again, that would be a great place to start. Hallelujah. Find out what it is that the Bible has to say and enjoy what it is that God wants for you. Amen. I got a whole bunch of girls sitting over here. You guys are all going to behave yourself, right? Okay, spread out. So you can't touch one. No, I'm just kidding. Betty? You have an assignment. Thank you. Praise the Lord. 
Yeah, glory to God. Well, anyway, uh, did you all find Matthew chapter 4? Let's pray together. Uh, we'll just prepare our hearts here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I want to thank you for those that are not only watching online, but those that have come here today uh, to hear a preacher. But Father, more importantly, I want them to hear you. And so I ask, Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Father God, for speaking to these men and women's lives. Thank you, Father, for the young boys and girls that are in our audience this morning, that they too, with an attentive heart, would hear what it is that you have to share with them. And I just thank you, Father God, that revelation knowledge, that which is revealed from heaven, will be granted unto those that are assembled. And that, Father, with that, we will be armed with what we need, which is truth, to be able to combat the things, Father, that we deal with in everyday life. But not only just combat, but to live victoriously and blessed as a result of what Jesus did for each and every one of us. So we thank you, Father, for this brief time together today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. In verse 17 of the fourth chapter of Matthew the Bible says that from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is here. And Jesus, and Jesus <clears throat> walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers or fishermen. And he said unto them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, or brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the ship and their father, and they followed him. This morning, I want to, I tell you what, life in Jesus is so exciting. I'm telling you, there is never a dull moment in him. Hallelujah. There are always things that God wants to do in our lives if we're open to those possibilities. But this morning, I want to talk to you about an invitation. These four men that we're referring to here in these scriptures were offered an invitation. How many of you know that God has offered an invitation to the whole world? Now, a lot of the world doesn't know it. But the fact is, is that he's offered an invitation to them to be a part of his kingdom and to enjoy life as he knows it. Hallelujah. The abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Now, here's the thing you need to understand while we talk about what it is that God offers to the world. It's important for you to also understand that he has offered this same kingdom and this same life to you personally. Sometimes, you know, when we think about you know, our relationship with God, it's a bit abstract or distant. In other words, you know, it's almost, it has its application for everyone else. It's not personal. But I want you to know this morning that his kingdom and his life is personal because Jesus came just for you. And that's why we need to, you know, we need to consider what it is that's said in the scriptures from that particular stand, uh, you know, standpoint. Like for example, you know, if you receive an invitation you know, to somebody's wedding or they're gonna have a party or something of that nature, guess what? They want you to come, right? In other words, if they didn't want you to come, somebody will go down through their little, you know, their, their, their list, they'll go, eh, eh, yeah, eh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're in the yeah column, everybody say hallelujah. <laughs> you know, if you're in the yeah column, what that means is they want you to come. You're an invited guest to either celebrate with them or whatever it is that's going on to, to take a meal or how, you know, whatever that looks like. They want you to be there. Well, guess what? God wants you to enjoy, to experience, and to have the kingdom of heaven brought to your life and his abundant life to you as well. How many of you believe that this morning? Amen. Praise God. Uh, let's stop right here a minute. I got a little ringing going on. If you somehow or another can do something about that, that'd be great. So the Father offers an invitation for everyone to experience the abundant life that Jesus gave himself for. Sometimes we, we overlook the incredible price that Jesus paid so that you and I essentially could be here today. And not only that, but to have his life and life more abundant that he came to give us. Glory to God. That's why when we come and we offer our praise and our worship and all of that, it's represented in what it is that Christ did for each and every one of us. Can you say amen? So it's important for us to always recognize that he is the one who made this possible. Now, you know, in this scripture here, notice with me, if you would, in verse... Uh, um, well, let's start with 18 again. It said that Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and the two brethren, uh, Peter and Andrew, were there uh, casting their nets. And notice verse 19, he said to them, follow me, and I will teach you how to catch men. In other words, they were in the habit of catching fish. But what Jesus was saying, if you want to become a follower of me, I'll teach you, I'll train you, I'll show you how it is that you can catch men. Now, I want to ask you an important question. What would be so compelling that these men would drop everything? I mean, if somebody walk up to you and say, hey, I've got an offer that you can't refuse, and they say this and that and the other, and they say, all you got to do is drop everything you're doing and, and follow me. Most of us would probably go, um, uh, I'm going to need a little more information here. Well, the truth is, is that these men had had these encounters with Jesus. Matter of fact, Andrew was the one who came to them at the very first, and he said, we found the Messiah. You know, and so they brought him, you know, or, or brought some of these men to Jesus and different things. So they, they had a little bit of a history, I guess you could say. Matter of fact, one time, remember when Jesus uh, asked Peter to take his boat and launch it out into the water so that he could preach to everyone. And then afterwards, when it was over with Jesus, you know, he asked Peter to go out and cast his nets or, you know, let down your draft for, for a catch. And Peter just, you know, he said, look, man, we've been out there all night. We haven't caught a thing. Um, I don't think there's much cause for this or reason to do it. But, you know, at your word, it was not, it was not a, a word of confidence that he was making the statement at all. He was just saying, nevertheless, at your word, okay, you, you want me to do this? I'm not very hopeful, but whatever. So you know the rest of the story. Before it was over with, uh, he about, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> nearly sunk two boats. Hallelujah. And when, when Peter seen this, you know, there was something that went off on the inside of him that really revealed who he was and, and, and a relationship that Jesus wanted to have with him. 
And you know, men are so much in this way, so very often they, they hide behind facade or they hide behind pride. They hide behind all kinds of things. But you know, in that moment when Peter recognized what it is that Jesus did, you know, he made this statement to him. I mean, it seems kind of strange, you know, but he just said, Listen, look, what the King James says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. In layman's terms, he would just say, look, I know you think that there's something in me that, would, that is good and beneficial, but you've got the wrong guy. And Jesus said, no, I got the right guy. You know, if, if, if you think about the 12 disciples, none of them qualified. They were all yahoos. But there was something that God seen in their heart that he wanted to make them fishermen of men. And that's exactly what he did. Guess what? There's hope for us. There's hope for you. Hallelujah. And so <clears throat> that, that context kind of helps us to understand that when he made this statement that they dropped everything and walked off. I'm sure that John, James and John's dad going, hey, dude, where are you going? You know, whatever, you know. And so there was that kind of thing. But he said, again, you know, what is it that's so compelling that people would do that? And I just got to tell you, it's because Jesus had captured their heart. And they began to follow him. And they began to do great things with him. Hallelujah. At the very heart of the gospel... There is the pursuit of men. God is interested in the harvest of humanity. He's not interested in anything else. He doesn't care about 401s. He doesn't care about all your assets. He doesn't care what it is that you don't have. The only thing that God is interested in is the precious fruit of the earth. And the Bible says that you and I have the privilege of being able to hasten His coming by being harvestors. Now, you know, if we want to live into ourselves, we can. Most all of the people that are within this auditorium this morning have experienced eternal life. You're born of the Spirit of God, and heaven will be your home. But there is a commission that Jesus has given to the church to go, everybody say go, into all the world, your world, my world, and preach, not preachy, but preach the gospel. Sometimes we preach by what we do, how we live. We don't necessarily preach it in words, but how we roll. Are you listening to me? And then if words are necessary, we can talk. Are you listening to me? But God wants us to be a part of this very vital thing that he's doing in the earth today. And so the very heart of the gospel is the pursuit of men to get them to believe in the message of Jesus Christ and become followers. Everybody say followers. Followers of him. I don't know about you, but my discovery's been that when I follow him, life is a lot better. How many of you can attest to that? If I go walking off by myself in the weeds, guess what? It usually doesn't work out real well. So he said, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Now look with me, if you would, chapter 11 of Mar or Matthew's gospel. Just turn over there to your right a little bit to the 11th chapter. And notice something that Jesus said. How many of you believe that Jesus told the truth? Well, there's six of you. How about the rest of you? Y'all believe that Jesus told the truth? Yeah, sure enough. Notice what he says here in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 11, verse 28. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will make your life worse. No? No, he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Doesn't that sound great? You ever been, you know, after a long, hard day and working and, you know, you're just, you know, tired (laughs) right to the bone, man, praise God. You know, there's different times when John and I, you know, we'll get ready to retire. And once we get into the bed, we go, ah, the moment I've been waiting for. How many of you can attest to that? Sure. You know, there's not, I mean, everything else is over and we're not doing anything else now. It's time to rest. Well, Jesus offers an invitation Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice what it goes on to say. Take my yoke upon you. Take, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find... What's that word? Everybody say it again. Say it one more time. You shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Wow! What an invitation. An invitation that he makes to each and every one of us. Now, of course, you know, some people, you know, kind of judge that in the light of their existing circumstance or whatever it is that's going on in life or maybe in the world or whatever the case might be. But, you know, there are no disclaimers around the verse. Huh? Like, in other words, I can give you rest as long as the economy is doing okay. I can give you rest as long as everything is just going great. I can give you rest. No, it doesn't say that at all. It said, if you'll just come to me, I'll give you rest. You'll find rest for your soul. And I tell you what, the world in which you and I live in right now could use some rest. Are you listening to me? Well, the way that it happens is to come to him. Hallelujah. Because he said he would do just that. Now, thinking about that, you know, he said, I will give you rest. And in today's global or economic, you know, or um, economics or whatever you want to call it, or or the culturally charged environment that we're in, I'd say that's a pretty good invite. Well, each and every one of us, I mean, whether sinner or saint, you can all come. And you can all receive the rest that God offers to you. Hallelujah. Great invitation. Amen. But let me ask you a question. You know, from a practical standpoint, you know, what does coming to Jesus look like? That's important. Okay. He said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. A lot of people, you know, during Jesus' earthly ministry, they followed him. I mean, they, they walked, they were in the crowd, but how many of you know not everybody in the crowd got much out of it, huh? There were some people that had the touch of heaven, you know, offered to them in their lives and they were healed and they were delivered and they were set free, but there was a host of humanity that just said, well, you know, he put on this talk and, you know, I mean, never seen a guy like that before. He's certainly, you know, whatever, but I don't. I don't, I don't know if I buy into what it is he had to say. And they just went away. In other words, they didn't get much out of it, even though they had come to see him. You know, one time, you know, like, like Andrew said, come and listen and hear a man, you know, uh, say things that we, I've never even heard before. And so coming has a um, clear definition. 
But it isn't just being a part of the crowd. It isn't just hearing his words. It's not even seeing his miracles. And people say, well, you know, if I seen a miracle, I believe. No, you wouldn't. Now, I don't have time to get into that, but you wouldn't. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, there's all types of people that, that are standing in the... In other words, they don't want to yield and open themselves up to God's possibilities in their life. Show me something and maybe... They did that back then. Hey, if you're really who you are, show us a sign. He said, the only sign you're going to get is something less than what you believe anyway. You know, remember when the rich man Lazarus died? You know, the, the Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom and the rich man winded up, wound up in hell. And so, you know, uh, the rich man is begging Abraham to send somebody back so that his brothers wouldn't end up in this same torment. And this is the response that Abraham gave. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have his word. They have God's word. And if they don't believe the word of God, even though somebody came back from the dead, it won't change a thing. See, the relationship that you and I have with God is with our heart. It's not out here. It's not external. So even though you're a part of the crowd, unless your heart is with him, you're not going to get much out of it. Same thing's true today, you know, when you take a look at folks, you know, I mean, uh, you know, when asked the question, what does it mean to come to him? What does it mean to follow him? You know, we could, we could just simply say, you know, does following Jesus mean that I come to church? Well, the Bible encourages church attendance, doesn't it? But a lot of folk go to a church and it don't make no difference to them. There isn't a change, a transformational change. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, put something into their life because their heart is somewhere else. You know, over 40 years of ministry, I've watched over the years and I'll see people, you know, they'll sit in their car until they have to come in. They'll read the paper, you know, they'll do whatever it is that they do. They're not really a part of the body life of church, but they're here. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, is they're probably going to get as much out of the message as they do the newspaper. Because their heart isn't here. Now, you know, if you want to read the newspaper, I'm, I'm not against that. But there is a, but there's something revealing about that. You say, well, you know, there's nothing to do anyway. They're just trying to make the most of their time. Well, there really is something to do. We could serve in the church. Huh? Thanks for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Or we could get involved, you know, just in, in the body life of the church relationally. You know, we could ask them, no, no, I'm just going to sit till I have to. Some people, they won't, they won't get in the worship service. They wait until the praise and worship is over, and then they come in. What's up with that? I mean, it's the last time I checked, the service starts when we begin to sing. The, the worship, everybody say worship, is, is, it starts when we sing. <clears throat> well, I don't like the songs they sing. Oh boy, have we heard that. How come you can't sing what I like? You know, if I as a pastor had to prepare every song so that all of you could like it, well, I'd go crazy. I might shoot most of you. I don't know, you know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different reasons behind all that, and I don't know how come I opened up that can of worms. Hallelujah. But we come to honor Him. Are you with me? So we're talking about, we're asking ourselves a question, what does it mean to come to Jesus? Because He said, if you'll come, I'll give you rest. Okay? So what does that mean? 
Well, again, following could mean that you come to church, maybe you read your Bible. And how many of you know reading your Bible is a good idea? But you know, a lot of times people read the Bible, but the Bible doesn't do anything for them. Why? Because it isn't their intent to really learn and to know the ways of God with their heart. You know, when he talked to Joshua, he said, this book of the law is not to depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now listen, so that you can observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You know, when it comes to success, you guys, whatever it is that we gain in this life is nothing. It's all going to get burned up. And so if you really want to be successful, you need to become a real follower of Jesus. And I'm not suggesting that you're not, but I'm telling you what, we ought to get passionate about what he's passionate about. And that's the lost world in which you and I live in. Are you listening to me? You say, well, I'm just not put together that way, you know, and I, I don't really like to get turned down. The last thing I want, you know, is not to be accepted. Well, you know, Jesus had some things to say about that. He said, if, they're gonna, if they persecuted me, you're probably going to get persecuted. But that's part of the Christian life. Amen? You know, you can be like uh, uh, Stephen and Jesus and different ones that said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I remember when I was a teenager, I'd mock religion. I would mock church people. Huh? And, and probably a lot of you did too. So, so why are we getting all knotted up just because people at the beginning aren't accepting? See, God wants to reach the sinner. God wants to reach the mocker. God wants to reach the scorner. God wants to reach the people that are in need of Christ. They're messed up because of sin. We live in this sin-sick world, and they have been deceived by the God of this world, and they're going down the road of life, and they're going to make their way into hell if somebody doesn't tell them. Are you with me? You say, well, I, I didn't sign up for that. Yes, you did. You just don't know it. That whole, I, don't, I didn't sign up for this thing, that's, well, I don't like that. Hallelujah. So there's a lot of different ways that we could refer to coming to Jesus. But here's a verse you're familiar with, James, or no, Hebrews 11 and 6. It says that without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. It's impossible to please him. Now listen, for he that, what's that say? Cometh to God. He that cometh to God. To God. There's that word come again. He that cometh to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a what? He's a what? Read it again. What's that, what's that word? A rewarder of those who it says diligently seek him or follow him. Guess what? There's great rewards in following Jesus. Amen. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if I could give you definition to what it means to come to Jesus, I would, you know, I was, I was thinking about this, meditating on it, trying to find a way to say it so that it would resonate with you, so that you would understand when he says come, you understand what that means. And what that essentially means is to bring your heart to him. 
I could say it another way, open your heart, open your heart to him. Because a lot of times, again, people, they, they, they don't, that's what, that's what Peter was doing. He says, God, you need, Jesus, you need to get away from me. I'm a sinful man, dude. You, you got no idea what, what makes me tick. And Jesus said, I know exactly what makes you tick. That's why I'm here. And, and, and you know, you, you're getting this. So it's really about, you know, opening or bringing our heart to him. No pretense, you know. I walked the aisles, I don't know, two or three times to get saved, but I didn't get saved. Why? Because people were putting the, you know, full Nelson on me. You know, you need to walk the aisle. Okay, I'll walk the aisle. Well, guess what? I walked the aisle, but my heart was somewhere else. Do you understand? It wasn't until I got enough of the Word of God on the inside of me to bring a conviction to help me recognize I need Jesus. And I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Are you listening to me? I didn't, you know, because again, I went through all this stuff. And so I'm driving down the road, you know, minding my own business. And I said, God, I come to the place of realizing that I need Him. Are you with me? So coming to Him means bringing your heart, not your facade. Huh? Not your pretense, you know. Pretense simply means, you know, a false show of something. You know, it's pretending. That's what it is. And then we got a lot of posers. Uh, I went over great. <clears throat> but we can be honest with him. And you need to be honest with him. Huh? Well, no, no, it's not my fault. Well, maybe it is. Why don't we let Jesus... Talk to us about that. You know, to be honest and to come with him with humility. You know, like I said, there was a great crowd that followed him, but the people that humbled themselves before him, they're the ones that received a touch from heaven. They're the ones that had Jesus really revealed to them. You know, Mary, she had seven devils cast out of her. She was tormented. She was driven by those devils. And she's the one that washed his feet with her hair. And Jesus said, because much had been forgiven of her, she loved much. Are you with me? A lot of times, folks, they don't love much of anything. They just want a free ride. They just want whatever. God did not create you and I as part of the body life of the church just to live and feed off the benefit of everyone else. He wants us to make a deposit. He wants us to be engaged. He wants us to be doing the works of Jesus. Can you say amen? And so it's important for us, you know, in our, in our uh, understanding of coming to him and following him, that there is a price to pay. The world needs us so desperately. It needs the church so desperately. There are young boys and young girls that are trying to give shape and form to their lives, and the culture that they're living in is absolutely destroying their understanding of what is true. With no absolutes, everything's on the board, you can do whatever. No, it's not. And their lives will be destroyed. If there isn't a good, strong, Bible-believing, preaching church that can tell them about purity, that can talk to them about having integrity, if, you know, all of the things that they need so that they can actually really thrive. Are you with me? That's why the church needs you. You know? We need you. 
It's, it's, it's not just, you know, hey, well, you know, we just, yeah, yeah, I mean, whatever. No, we need you. Are you with me? There are people, I got to be a little careful here, but there are people that could be making such a contribution to the kingdom of heaven, to the local church, to all the things that are involved in the church, and they're not even in the game. Are you with me? And it's sad. So thank God you don't have to let that be you. Amen? That you can be the one. You know, it's only with a contrite heart that men and women see God. You know, when Jesus was talking about the Beatitudes, he says, Best, uh, blessed are the pure at heart. Why? For they will see, everybody see, say see. see, they'll see God. Blessed are the pure or the contrite at heart because they will see God. Hallelujah. You want to see God? I'm telling you what, he makes himself available to the con contrite. Notice with me, if you would, please, I'm going to, I want to back up into this because I think it's important for the context of what it is that we're talking about here. Because we're talking about an invitation that God has made to every one of us. And you're not going to ride the coattails of your mom and dad. You young people, dude, you're going to have to figure it out for yourself. You're going to have to have your own encounter with Jesus. Because I can tell you this much about it, when you get in the world and you're trying to find your way and you're trying to figure out what's going on, mom and dad's faith is not going to cut it. You got to decide for yourself why and what it is that you believe. That's another reason that y'all ought to thank God for my son, Pastor Brian, and all the rest of the people that are back there in that room teaching our young people about Christ and how to live. Are you with me? Amen. Yeah, well, if you're going to clap, clap. Amen. Matter of fact, as long as I'm on it, um, <clears throat> I, I would really like for you to do something for me, if you would, please. I'm not asking this for me. I'm asking it for them. But there are three families in this church, specifically, my son Brian and his wife Rachel, my son-in-law Glenn and his wife Amy, and our uh, church director, uh, April, and her husband, Larry. And last month was uh, Pastor's Month, okay? You know, well, no, we're still in the month. <laughs> okay, got one more day. I, this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to send them to me, okay? But I would love for you to send every one of them a card. We'll give you the addresses and everything of that nature. And let them know how much you appreciate them. Because some of the, well, a lot of the stuff they do, you guys, they're, they're the heavy lifters. They're really the heavy lifters. And a lot of the things that they do are, are thankless. It isn't that we, you know, and again, it, it isn't that we don't appreciate them. I know you do. But we need to let them know. So if you would do that for those three entities, um, uh, is Gayla in here? Yeah, send them to the church. You know, just send them to the church and we'll divvy them out. And again, I don't, you know, you don't have, don't do it for me because I'm the one that asked you to do it. Okay, that's not necessary. But for them, you know, write just a note, you know, and say, well, I remember when or whatever it is, you know, that you want to say, or I just want to thank you for what it is that you do. And, you know, if you want to give them something, a little something, do it. You know, I mean, they deserve better. 
And um, again, they're going to do it whether you say anything or not, but don't you think it can be a little bit nice if we would just... Okay, great. Where were we? Amen. Did we go back to uh, chapter 11? Yeah. Notice the context of what it is that Jesus said here about coming to him. If you look at verse uh, 20... Then began Jesus to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they did not repent. And then he goes down and says some different things. Now, notice in verse 24, for the sake of time, But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And then it goes on to say that at that time, listen, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has, what's that next word? What is it? Revealed. And you have revealed them to babes. We got this thing going on in our country right now in culture about the elite and all this and that and the other. Dude, I'm telling you what, it's going to be a sad day if they don't repent. Are you with me? I mean, I have a real empathy for how foolish. You know, the Bible talks about people professing themselves to be wise, and they become fools. They think, but their thinking has been affected by the God of this world, and they are blind to the truth of the gospel. Are you listening to me? So Jesus, in his prayer, said, I thank you, Lord, that you have hidden these things from those and revealed them to babes. Verse 26, even so, Father, for so it seems good in your sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father except the Son. Now listen, listen. And he to whomsoever the Son will what? Do what? Reveal him. You know, you'll hear people sometimes say, well, I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. Are you with me? In other words, when we talk about being found, it is that he has revealed himself to you. Mary, when she was at the, at the uh, tomb and Jesus showed up and the Bible says that he uh, uh, concealed his, who he really was. And, and said, uh, you know, what are you doing here? She goes, you know, if you've taken him, just let me know. And so her heart is just pouring out because she wants to complete the work that they were un- unable to get done. You know, and I came here and he's gone. And he, <laughs> ooh, this is awesome. And he just said, Mary. And all of a sudden, he, he was revealed to her. Jesus wants to reveal himself. To people, But the only way that that can happen is, is if we come to him in a contrite and humble heart. If you'll, if you'll unpeel your heart and just let God talk to you, he'll show up. He'll tell you the truth. How many of you believe that? Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Glory to God forevermore. Can you say amen? amen. So, <clears throat> so, you know... Remember, he said, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Yeah, follow me. 
So ask yourself, am I following Jesus? Am I, am I following him? Or am I just doing what I do? Am I following him? Hallelujah. It's an important question. I tell you, this ought to be the quest and it ought to be the interest, and it ought to be the life desire that each and every one of us have in all of our lives. In other words, you know, am I where he sent me? Am I, am I in the place where he's led me? Am I doing what he told me to do? I use it often, but I'll say it again, you know, people say, well, you don't have to go to church all the time, you know, to be a good Christian. That's a cop-out, Okay. Now, they won't like me for that, but I can't help it. The Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. With me? So the human reasoning is, well, you know, I don't have, I, you know, I have to. No, you don't. But I tell you what, if you have a heart for God, then you're going to show up. All right, I ain't taking it back either. It's true. Because it's important for us to understand that. There are great rewards. Everybody say great rewards. There's great rewards for following the master, following Jesus wherever it is that he leads us. Turn to Psalm 37 in, your, in the Old Testament. Look at this. Hallelujah. This will bless you. Glory to God. Amen. Everybody say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Notice this, it says, Psalm 37. Notice what it says here in verse 1. Fret not. Does somebody's Bible say something else? Huh? Huh? Don't worry. Fret not because of evildoers. Any of you seen any evildoers going on here lately? <laughs> it's everywhere. But he said, don't worry. You say, well, yeah, but you know, this, that. He said, don't worry. Are you with me? Yes, it's to be regretted. Yes, people are going to suffer. Yes, there's going to be consequence. But he said, don't worry about those because of evildoers, neither be you envious against the workers of iniquity. Why, Lord? For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. Everybody say trust. Trust, trust in the Lord and do good. And so shall you dwell in the land, and verily or truly you will be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. It says, and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest. Everybody say rest. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath, and fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Huh? Fret not in any wise to do evil. Listen, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord are going to what? they're going to inherit the earth. All of this stuff that's going on is intended for that very that purpose, to agitate, to cause more hate, to stir up things. This, that, that 37th Psalm there, just in that first part, do us all a little good. Well, actually do you a lot of good. 
if you take it and make it your mantra, okay? It would help you. It would bless you. There is, um, um, listen to this. This is the ESV in verse 1 and 2. It says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Listen, for they shall soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Listen to this, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. And this, this Bible translation says, befriend faithfulness. Make it your friend. What does that mean? Praise God, I don't care what anybody else does. I'm staying I'm staying, I'm, I'm going to be Jesus' wingman here, and I ain't leaving. I'm not going to cut and run. I'm going to stay faithful. Amen. You know, when all hell is breaking loose, that's not the time to cut and run. Are you with me? That's the time to stay put. Befriend, I like that. Befriend faithfulness, as that translation says. Hallelujah. So when we follow the Master, the Bible says our yoke is easy, our burden is light. When we follow the master, it says that he'll supply our every need. When we follow the master, he said that we don't have to be anxious or afraid. I like that, don't you? And praise God, every one of us can do it. You say, yeah, but you know, I mean, you just don't know what's going on here. You know, you don't know what it is that I'm dealing with. Maybe not, but we all deal with stuff. Your, your fight might be different than mine, but, the, but the, the instruction is the same. So let's just do it. What do you say? Praise God, let's roll our care over onto the Lord. Let's be a follower of Him. Let's listen to what the Spirit of God says. And I'll tell you what, praise God, He'll keep you from every snare and whatever trap the devil had for you. You won't be the one dropping in it. Somebody else will. Hallelujah. He'll take care of you, coming in, going out. Because, you know, the devil is forever attempting to get people, you know, to make a misstep or to, you know, get out or thwart the will of God, doing whatever it is that he can. But listen, he's a defeated foe. He lost, remember? At the cross of Calvary, when Jesus came up out of that grave, I guarantee you a lot of things changed. Hallelujah. And he made that possible for you and I. But we have to resist him. We have to stand up. We have to stand our ground. Come on. Are you listening to me? You have to demand the rights that are yours as a child of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Most people don't even know what that means. But when the devil is using your brain for a garbage can, you need to resist. When he says you'll never make it, when he says you're no good, when he, when he says you know everybody hates you, nobody likes you, all of these different kinds of things that are of a negative nature, you need to guard your heart with all diligence. You need to resist the devil in the name of Jesus. Amen? Get thee behind me. Huh? But a lot of folk don't do that. They just sit there and get pounded by all this junk. And I tell you what, praise God, you need to learn not to put up with it for one minute. He starts peddling his junk, you just stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You definitely have the wrong guy or gal here. Because let me tell you what the Bible says. And I'll guarantee you that in a few moments, he won't be there anymore. You know, the devil will beat you up about your self-esteem. You don't look right. You're too fat. You're too thin. You're too this. You're too that. You're not this. You're not that. You're not whatever. It's of hell. I mean, you know, it's no wonder that people are in a frenzy and freaked out. 
But they need to learn, praise God, that they are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. And I tell you what, whatever God does, he doesn't make no junk. You're made in his image and after his likeness. And God loves you. And he cares about you. But the devil is always telling people, nobody loves you. You don't love yourself. I don't even know why you're here. You know, all of these things. But I tell you what, when you become a follower of Jesus and you've learned to walk as he would have you to walk, then you don't put up with this stuff. I said, you don't put up with it. Well, there's nothing I can do. Yes, you can. That I, you know, the, the whole thought, I can't do anything about it, is a lie. He said, put my yoke upon you. What does that mean? That means I'm in this side, and Jesus is in, on this side. So we make a majority when it comes to our lives and what it is that God wants to do through our lives. Can you say amen? amen. So it becomes important for us. I am not going to get done. Hallelujah. <laughs> Living the life of faith is following Jesus. It's not parking. It's not settling. It's not getting comfortable. There's a work to be done. We're living in this sin-sick world, and the only answer that this world has is Jesus. Let me say that one more time. I said the only answer that this world has is Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can or must be saved or delivered. That's it. If people don't repent then hell is what they have to wait for. The Bible says hell beneath is moved to meet you at your coming. So don't for one minute think, well, you know, there's no literal, literal hell. Yes, there is. And I guarantee you, if I'm right and you're wrong, that is not an equation that you want to be a part of. You say, well, what if I'm right and you're wrong? Well, then, oh, happy day. But the risk isn't worth it. No, there is a literal hell. There is a literal devil. Jesus was born of a virgin. He came to this earth born existence so that you could be saved. And the Bible says that whoever calls on him shall be saved with a contrite, humble, repentant heart. That's the way it works. And I tell you what, thank God for his forgiveness. Are you listening to me? Maybe you're sitting there this morning, you've been saved and born of the Spirit of God, and you know, life hasn't, you didn't do very well. Well, welcome to the party. Guess what? Jesus knew that was probably going to happen, and he loved you anyway. He loved you enough to save you and to redeem you, so that, praise God, in your mess, he could fix you. Guess what? He wants to fix people. Wait a minute, there was a lot, that was an opportunity for a great response. I said, he wants to fix people. Yeah, he wants to fix you. And we need fixing. Are you listening to me? Oh, how we need fixing. I was just talking to Joan. You know, we live in such a broken world, you guys. People's lives are jacked. And they're messed up. Did you hear me? And, and what's unfortunate is it doesn't have to be that way. 
if we'll just follow him. Say, well, I'm following him. Dude, if you ain't got no fruit on your tree, you ain't following him. You know, you're living a lie is what you're doing. Well, it's not my fault. Yeah, it is. That attitude right there makes it your fault. Are you listening to me? Don't tell me that Jesus can't fix your stuff because he can. The question is, are you willing? Do you want to follow him? I mean, whatever it takes, lay your life down. Because, you know, at the end of the day, baby, that's where it all happens. Are you with me? You can hang on to it. He said you'll lose it. Or you can give it away, and he said you'll find it. Isn't that cool? He didn't say, you know, you'd get it. No, he said you'll find it. Life in Jesus is wonderful. And that's the way the blessing of God. You know, I think about it all the time. We got, we got Christians that are fighting and fussing in their house. Now, I didn't name anybody's name, so you just keep looking straight ahead. Nobody will know I was talking about you, okay? You're with me? But, you know, you got people that are, you know, um, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not, yeah, they're not. They're just not. But they can. Are you with me? They got coarse conversations. What do you mean by coarse? I mean ungodly stuff coming out of their mouth and they're doing nothing about it. I'll tell you what, it'll destroy you. You say, well, I didn't, you know, I thought this was fun day. You know, where are you going here anyway? It'd be a lot better and more fun if you repent. Because the weight... The weight of sin will be gone. And don't listen, you guys. I mean, you know, I'm just the delivery boy. I, I, my wife and I so value and count it such a privilege to stand before you and to communicate. And it is never intended. It isn't with any um, thought whatsoever that I'm going to come up here and I'm going to try to make as many people's lives miserable as I can. I'm here to help you. God wants you to have heaven on earth. But there's, there's things that we're overlooking, simple things. You, you know, the Bible says, don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth, and yet people are letting it happen in their homes, you know? And how you treat one another, what you say to one another. And, and when you say these things, and, and not only that, but your children, if they're in the house, baby, they're hearing it. And you know what? They're going to act just like you. And then you're going to ask, what's wrong with them? And you can look back and say, I'm what's wrong with them. With me? Huh? Just on the way home last night, we were talking about our heritage and how thankful we are that our parents left us an example. Now, maybe not so much mine, maybe more hers. <laughs> My mother, God bless her, she was good. But you, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in other words, there was... There was, uh, there was some foundational things that, that got put into us so that at least we could build on that. You know, there, there are some people, you know, young people, uh, they, they don't have any of that. I mean, just, just how to live. You know, when it comes to interpersonal relationships with one another and, you know, how we are to 
But Jesus will teach you. You know, and, 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 and even, you know, in the whole parenting thing, you know, people don't know how to parent. You go, you walk in Walmart sometime, just walk up, you know, find an aisle someplace where there's a lot of traffic and just watch. And, and you'll see parents that are doing anything but the proper way to discipline or to control or to, to love their children. They're out of control. You say, well, my kids are out of control. You're out of control. So we have one big happy mess. But the church, everybody say the church. The church could help. Now it is not the cure-all, but it can help to teach you how to do these things and whatnot, and I need to close. Amen. Hmm. What do you do with this? I want you to I'm supposed to be on a strict timeline today because everything's lined up. But I'd rather maybe share with you a few more moments here just to make sure that we get everything covered here we need to. We're living in this time, everyone, that you need to be following him with some fervor. You with me? Amen. Uh, you... you, you uh, now's not the time to be hiding in a hole. Now's the time to be engaged in what it is that the kingdom is doing. You with me? And I know that the things that we see can be frightening. They can be uh, scary, whatever you want. But see, you don't need, you don't have to be afraid. You really don't. You say, well, I wish I could believe you. <laughs> okay, don't believe me. Believe him. Amen. He said, don't worry. Fret not because of all this stuff that's going on. And, and, and it, has, it does have to be intentional. It has to be deliberate in order for you to, to do it in a uh, uh, meaningful and successful kind of way. You, you with me? So it, it does take some effort. And you say, well, I can't do that. Don't ever say you can't, okay? I just already preached that here a week or so ago. You can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it. So you don't have to be afraid. You may have to address fear. There are people that are afraid. And, and I get it. It isn't that fear isn't real. But listen, you're a child of God that got purchased with the blood of Jesus. And he will keep you and everything that, that represents you. Until he comes. We just got done reading it, didn't we? Yeah. You know? So, so we got to get ourselves moved over there. Are you with me? And, and uh, um, with our heart and with faith. And that, again, may take some effort. But you can do it. Everybody say, I can do it. You can do it. You know? And I'll tell you, 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 you need to do it. I could say you better do it, but you need to do it. And, and if you do... You know, he said, and we read there in that scripture, you know, that if you'll do these things and delight yourself, he will give you the desires of your heart. Put him first, and he'll make sure all the rest of it comes your way. Now, I know this sounds silly, 
But in the morning, or last yesterday morning, I got up and was spending some time before the Lord, and I said, Father, I ask you to order my steps and, and, and show me what it is, you know, what it is that I need to do for this day. And I had some preparations, you know, for, to, for today to, to make sure I had my frosting on the cake so you would all enjoy it. I don't know whether you enjoy it or not, but anyway, you know. So, so but I also have all these other things that are pulling on me, you know, things that I need to do, just domestic responsibilities. Any of you have any of those things? Okay. But, but I just decided, you know, to listen to him. And he said, well, you know, put me first. I said, okay. So I sat down and did my thing and got everything ready, you know, and then I got up. And so now I'm, I'm ready to take off on my domestic things. Now, I know this sounds, you know, you can believe whatever you want about it, but I believe it was God. Okay. So one of the things I needed to do is I need to make a trip to town and had to do some banking. And then uh, I come to realize that there was something that we needed to do with the aircraft. And, um, and um, so I talked to my partner and I said, you know, this, that, and the other. I said, I'll take care of it. Now, now here's the, the thing about this, okay? You, again, you can believe whatever you want, but it's a Saturday. There's no mechanics around. There's nobody but the linemen and this and that and the other. And so I go out to the airport and I pull in a driveway and out walks the head mechanic in his shorts and a tank top and whatever. And I thought, man, it's a little chilly, but whatever, you know. And uh, he comes out and I says, what are you doing here? He says, changing oil in my car. And I says, well, you know, I need a battery tender for the plane because uh, nobody's been flying it and the battery goes down and I didn't want it to get cold and freeze and bust. Did you all... Make sure you had your batteries tended to last night. Okay, might want to do that. Anyway, and also take all your hoses off your hose bibs on your house so it doesn't freeze back into the hose bib and then you get water where you don't want it. Thank you. That was free. So anyway, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, and, and in that moment, he just says, oh yeah, he says, I got a charger you can use. And in that moment, I just knew that God, now you can think what you want about it, but I believe that God made that guy show up when I showed up so that I could get what I needed in order to do what I did. He will order your steps. It's a simple thing, but guess what? That was better than me scratching my head because I said, I, I asked him, I said, hey, Ron, I says, you know, do any of the alignment or do any of the linemen, linemen are people that fill the planes with gas, fuel, and move them around, do whatever. Do any of them, you know, uh, know what they're doing? He goes, nope. You know, not, not in this context, let's put it that way. And so the rest is history. I think God will do that for all of us if we'll just learn to follow him. It's a simple thing, you know, but I really believe it was him. And I went, around, went on with the rest of my day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. i got eight minutes, according to the powers that be. Um, I want you, when you get a chance, I want you to read 1 Kings. You can just write it down, chapter 17, about the first nine verses or something like that. It's about Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet of God. He's the one that had the 450 prophets of Baal that he contested with. And he said, listen, let's just do this deal. And whoever answers by fire, he can be God. And God, our God, showed up in a big way. Remember that story? You know, and so it was, it was cool. So they slew all the false prophets and there was just him. Well, Jezebel, how many remember her? Bad girl. Everybody say bad girl. Bad girl. 
She said, I'm going to have your head by nightfall. And he takes off running because he's afraid. You would have thought that after you've seen fire come from heaven and taken a sacrifice, you wouldn't move too much. But he did. Okay? Well, so he's out whining in the middle of nowhere someplace. And he says, God, nobody, you know, believes in what I'm doing or anything like that. So why don't you just kill me? He has this incredible thing that happens to him prior to that. Not only that, he told, he told Ahab it wasn't going to rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then when the cloud came up in the sky, the Bible says he ran 20 miles and outran the king's chariot. Dude, that's, that's putting it on, huh? That's high stepping. He outran him. That's supernatural. So he has all these victories and yet now Jezebel's threatening his life and he's running, but it ain't in the, under the inspiration of God, I can tell you that. And he says, why don't you just kill me? And God says, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. I want you to get up and I want you to get going. Well, in this drought, you know, God said, I want you to go down to the brook Cherith and I'll have the ravens come and feed you. Think about that. And here they come, morning and night, feeding him until the brook dried up. But he, here's the point that I want to make when you read this story, even though I'm telling it all to you right now. But anyway, he said, God said that I will sustain you there. In other words, in that place. Now, what if he hadn't gone there? Where is it that God wants you? Well, I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Have at it. But I tell you what, you want to be where he wants you to be when he wants you to be there because then that brook dried up and he said, I want you to go down to Zarephath and there's a widow woman down there. It's got a little bit left and she's going to sustain you there. So he goes down there and you know the rest of the story. Maybe you don't. You can read it and get excited. You know, and she kept him. In an impossible circumstance. Why am I telling you that story? You know, the same thing that you see going on in the world right now, I mean, it has some similarity in the sense that there was, these people were desperate. But the thing I want you to see is in that moment, you know, um, Elijah became disillusioned. God, where are you? You know, here I am, I'm serving you. You know, I'm slaying the prophets and all that, and still nothing's happening. You know? Maybe that's the way you feel. You know, disillusioned, discouraged. Everyone deals with these things, you guys. Are you with me? But thank God we don't have to be. You know, David, you know, when he came back to Ziklag, everything had been burned with fire. They'd taken the wives and all their children and everything they possessed. The Bible says that he was much distressed because his own guys were considering killing him. But the Bible says that he, in turn, encouraged himself in the Lord. In other words, he didn't let disillusionment, he didn't let discouragement come and park itself on the doorstep of his life and say, I'm going to control you forever. He didn't do that. Praise God, he kicked it off of there. And how did he do that? He turned to the Lord and said, God, this isn't right. It is not right for you to live disillusioned. It's not right for you to live discouraged. God wants to lift you up. He wants to bring you out. He wants to bless your life. And I'll tell you what, praise God, if you'll start believing Him, 
and doing what it is that he, I mean, if he says boo, you say boo. <laughs> I mean, you do whatever it is he asks you to do. He tells you to straighten up your life, straighten up your life. Well, but I just can't. Yes, you can. I said, yes, you can. I said, yes, you can. He can redeem anything if you'll allow him. How many of you believe that? And I do have to stop now for sure because i got three minutes. Would you bow your heads with me for just one moment? And Linda, where are you? Yes. If you would come, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, today as we come to the close of this service, I want to thank you again for these precious people, Father. I'm grateful for, well, the privilege of being able to share these things with them. But God, I believe that today is a day of defining moment for many of them. I believe, Father, that there's things that you've spoken to their heart while I was talking that Well, it resonates with where they are, Father God, and I'm just asking you now, Father, to speak to their heart again. Help them, Father God, to make the decisions they need to make, the changes they need to make. I thank you, Lord God, for helping them to, just as you said, come to you without any reservation. And I thank you, Lord God, for speaking to men and women's hearts. God, I, 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 with, I mean... There's nothing I can do, but Father, I know there's everything that you can do. And it begins with each and every one of us and the decisions that we make within our hearts. So I thank you, Father God, for raising these men and women, these young boys and girls up out of disillusionment, discouragement, despair. And God, I just thank you right now for a renewed hope and vision within their heart for what it is that you desire to do in each and every one of their lives. And Father, as we come to you this morning, as we commit and consecrate ourselves to you, I just want to thank you, Father God, for working in every one of our lives. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. No one's looking around. I want to, uh, I want to, in, I want to give you another invitation. I want to invite you to join me as we commit our hearts and our lives to God's purpose in these last days. I ask you to just say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I ask you to say yes to whatever it is that he's speaking to your heart and even the changes that he's asking you to make. I invite you to join me in this prayer as we pray. And you let your heart, bring your heart with you and let it agree with what it is that we pray together today in Jesus' name. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for your mercy. And I come to you today to consecrate and dedicate my life to you. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to follow you as you would have me to go. And I choose today to drop everything to be that follower. Forgive me, Father, for the errors of my way. Open up the eyes of my understanding so that I can see.
Forgive me, Father, for my harsh words. I know this just keeps coming up on the inside of me. For my terst words. Say that. For my terst words. Forgive me, Lord. Renew my heart and my life and my family. Bring about the changes that you desire in each and every one of us. And I thank you for it. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, please. No one's looking around. We don't want to take anything for granted, but if perhaps there's someone here that you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity. We're not here to embarrass you. But I I went through the same process. I mean, I knew I needed God, but I wasn't willing to give up my life for Him until I came to a point of knowing that I needed to, and I did. And I am so ever thankful. Maybe that's you. So if you're here this, this morning with heads bowed, eyes closed, you'd never asked Him to come into your heart, but you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I, I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand wherever you're at while heads are bowed, eyes are closed? Anyone at all? You don't know Him. Be honest. You've never asked Him into your heart or life. Well, Father, I thank you today for your wonderful spirit and the desire you have for all mankind. Father God, bless our lives, coming in, going out. Everything that you've asked us to do, Father, we've chosen to be doers of it. And we thank you for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. God's good, isn't he? Listen, this morning we're going to go ahead and...